0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, a podcast where two journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and with me today is not my normal co host, but today helping me steer the ship is a uh, special guest we had on last episode, Colin Kapoor. Colin, how are you doing today? Welcome back to the pod.
1: I'm good, Tyler. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It seems like uh, I didn't disrupt things too much last time we recorded, so it's good to be back. It's. Uh, as a Nationals fan, it's 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 a tough time, but you know I'm 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 pushing through. We got to talk about what happened to the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, that is the topic for today's episode. I must say I really appreciate um, how you came in the last episode and brought such an analytical background, uh, especially with the advanced statistics. The way that you uh, perceive baseball is different from a lot of other people, but it's growing towards that way of advanced statistics. Uh, we might get into a couple of those when we look at these trades and these minor leaguers that are going to be coming through the system here, but topic for today is a deadline recap and then giving you guys a little bit of what you guys should expect and maybe tune into over the next week. Uh, But first, we got to start out with the biggest acquisition of the entire deadline, the most talked about. In fact, it's the way that we ended last episode, so why don't we start it this time, the Juan Soto trade, which I'm sure there's a lot that you want to vent about, and I'll give you the space right now to get a little bit of that out, but why don't you tell the people what happened on deadline day?
1: Yeah, so the big splash of deadline day was Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the Padres, and if you remember last episode, I said I did not think this was going to happen. I continue to say that even until Tuesday Um, and I did, I truly did not think it was going to happen, but Josh Bell and Juan Soto go to the Padres for a prospect package, including Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel III, CJ Abrams, Luke Boyd, not a prospect, and James Wood, then also a right-handed pitcher, 18-year-old Harlene Susana. And this was a deal that a lot of details came out about it. Later, there was a whole Eric Hosmer saga that I think Tyler would want to get into, Uh, with Hosmer declining to go to the Nationals and ended up going to his Red Sox. But I said on the podcast last time, any deal the Nationals make, they lose. Because they're giving up one of the best, if not the best, pure hitters in baseball. And I still believe that. I think they clearly lost this trade. I mean, Nationals fans won't be able to watch Juan Soto play for their home team for the next 10, 15 years like we would have wanted. And that's a loss for the organization, that's a loss for the fan base, that's a loss... I mean, not for baseball because he's still playing, but it's a loss for baseball, in my opinion, because I don't get to watch him play every night. And then also, I mean, Josh Bell going—he's a—he was a 300 hitter at the time of the trade. He was slugging over 850. Uh, it's not a throw-in because Josh Bell has had an All-Star caliber season, in my opinion. But in terms, of, like my in gut reaction, uh, I tweeted this. Follow me on Twitter at Colin Kapoor. Uh, was the Nationals have just broken my heart? This is true. I mean, they they. It, it's a collective middle finger to the entire fan base, in my opinion, after everything that happened with Max Scherzer, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, everything, every player that the Nationals have let walk. Um, this is just a, a, a culmination of that. And before this season, David Martinez, Mike Rizzo, the GM, said, we're rebuilding this team around Juan Soto, and they're not going to. And it's just, as a fan of this team, someone who's been a fan of this team for his entire life, it's just it's just horrible, the, the way that the organization treated him and the way that all of this kind of came about, prospect package, it's fine. Like, it's probably better than they would have got if they traded him next year, whatever. But they lost this deal because they gave up Juan Soto, and that's just a fact. I, I've seen sites saying that they got an A on this trade. And sure, if you look at it from... The perspective that Juan Soto was always going to leave the nationals then sure you got a lot of players but you you got you gotta do what you can to keep this guy and it just seems like they didn't do enough.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from. You know, I've had franchise players be traded uh, for my organization within the last couple years, you know, Mookie Betts, uh, the biggest one, of course, hitting me the hardest uh, a couple years ago. Uh, but the difference between, I guess, the Mookie Betts situation And Juan Soto is one the age right Juan Soto being young and two was the control for like another two seasons you would have had Juan Soto um but I do like the return that that the Nationals did get I think that potentially the St. Louis Cardinals had a better deal for them of course that was relying on Dylan Carlson being a part of that deal but he was never included in it um you didn't offload Patrick Corbin. I wonder how that affected everything, but yes, I do kind of want to touch on that Eric Hosmer situation because uh, I know a lot of people, when it came out that Eric Hosmer was the last bit of this trade that needed to happen, there was so much power. That was in that man's fingertips. It was probably the most power that he's had in his entire career. Uh, World Series winner, though, of course, with the Royals. No disrespect to Hosmer. Great defensive first baseman. Has some good offensive prowess. And has been a leader of that Padres team. In fact, a lot of the Padres players have, you know, once again, they've they've called him their captain. Uh, So it is a little strange to see that captain maybe leave. Maybe he didn't have that connection anymore with the rest of the team and the squad. But... Uh, they're still paying him, and, and like you said, Eric Cosmer went out to the Red Sox, which we'll talk about a little later. Um, but Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel, C.J. Abrahams, and then James Wood are all very solid prospects, and you can definitely say the Padres have sold at this deadline and are putting all their eggs really into the next couple years here. Uh, then That really relies whether or not they even are able to retain Soto past arbitration. Yeah, this
1: is this is a I, I feel like this is a, a deal that kind of stems from the playoff situation uh, that is that has impacted every team. There's extra playoff spot. There's a three game wild card series. It's not out of the question that the Padres will make up 12 and a half games on the Dodgers. Uh, they're down 12 and a half at time of recording. but I don't think it's gonna happen. I, I really don't and they're gonna have to be in a three game wild card series. Against probably the Cardinals, maybe the the Brewers, a, a team like that, maybe even the Braves, and and the Braves are a really solid team, um, and I, I feel like this is just them loading loading as ta- as much talent as they possibly can. Fernando Tatis Jr. is on his way back, I believe he started rehabbing, um, but this is the kind of thing that anything can happen in the playoffs. It's not a one game wild card. Thankfully, um, for for a lot of teams, that one game wild card just. It, you hated know, it. it I hated it. A lot it. of stuff can happen in one baseball game, so three game series is better in terms of you know putting your best foot forward in, in every single game. But the the Padres, you got to assume they're going to have Soto for the next year or two. Uh, they might try and trade him, replenish their farm system while he still has a, a year of arbitration left. But I don't know. Like the Padres are, you could say they're the powerhouse in the NL, but I mean. The Dodgers, the, the Dodgers are 12 and a half games up on them, and and the big three, quote-unquote, for the Dodgers is Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman compared to the big three of the Padres, which is Machado, Tatis, and Soto. So there is, there is a lot of talent in that NL West.
0: A lot of experience, I feel like. I mean, aside from the Machado, I mean, you talk about Freeman... Bets Trey Turner, that's playoff experience to the max, really. You know, each one of those players winning a World Series with a different team than that organization that they are on currently, and Mookie Betts with the Dodgers later on, right? Um, so I think a lot of that is going to play into it. You know, Juan Soto has that experience too, right? Tatis does not. Machado does. He was on the Dodgers in 2018, Uh, Right, and he's been around the league for a while on a a, when the Orioles were still pretty decent, uh, and they're on their way back to that right now following a rebuild. Um, But I do think that the rest of the deadline, though, definitely plays a factor. Like you said, I don't think they're going to catch the Dodgers. Uh, There's time to, I just don't think they will, Uh, and I don't think that's what they're playing for. They're definitely just playing for, you know, winning the series as they come, Uh, but. Also, the the Padres went went out of their way to acquire Josh Hader, as well as Brandon Jury. And Brandon Jury made a splash in his debut with a grand slam in his first pitch that he saw, taking him into Slam Diego. Uh, But I have a little bit of some question marks about the Hader trade, just in general, more towards the Brewers' side than anything. uh, I think the Padres getting a lockdown reliever was quite important Uh, right? Somebody that you can rely on in the postseason. Now, you might know Josh Hader, maybe not the most reliable in the postseason, kind of gave up that blown save in 2019 that helped the Nationals eventually win the world title. But
1: yeah, Hader, the one issue that Hader has dealt with is, and a lot of relievers deal with this, is that there's on days and off days. And the day where he played against the Nats in 2019 was an off day. He just didn't have his slider and the command of the fastball was a little iffy. And so Juan Soto saw a fastball high and knew a fastball was coming because the slider uh, Hater couldn't get in the zone, and, and he ended up singling, scoring three runs there. But, I mean, we talked last last time on the podcast that the Brewers had probably the bullpen that you didn't think they would need to acquire anyone else. They had Williams. Did. They had Hater. Now, hater yeah. has gone. Williams, I mean, there's no question about the talent of Williams, but shaky against the Pirates, gave up a, a walk-off. Homer, I believe, to Brian Reynolds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the Brewers, they've just fallen off a cliff. Not necessarily a cliff. They got swept by the Pirates, which is tough. Um, but Nelson Nelson LeMet, who they acquired in that deal, it just seems like everything's going wrong for them.
0: Right, so the, the deal was that it was four players, four hater, uh, Denilson Lemaitre, uh, as you mentioned, uh, now DFA'd, but was part of the deal. Taylor Rogers as well in that deal. And also two other prospects. I believe it was an outfielder and an infielder. Uh, or maybe an outfielder and a pitching prospect. Um, but regardless of, of the metrics right there, uh, you're giving up your star pitcher or star reliever. Uh, they have a lot of star pitchers on that team. Uh, for not the biggest return, Taylor Rodgers is, is a great lefty arm uh, who, who brings a different dynamic to that bullpen, uh, and I'm sure that he will be good for them for like a middle reliever setup kind of guy. And now Devin Williams, of course, moving to the closer. We'll see whether or not he's able to come through with that. But I don't know. I just feel like... This was not the direction, especially DFAing Nilsson Lament makes zero sense. I don't even I don't know whether or not he came in and they realized he needed surgery or something like that. But why just DFA him at that point? If you're gonna put him on the injured list, that's like a whole different story. Like because they can be on the injured list, but it didn't make too much sense to me uh, at all. And, and the deal, just in general, to help the Brewers' chances doesn't make sense to me
1: yeah and i mean one thing that uh, i want to note is at least to me this was one of the weirdest trade deadlines in terms of deals there were uh the brewers deal i think the yankees deal with jordan montgomery and harrison bader that was confusing to me hot the whole hosmer situation was confusing there's a lot of moving pieces in this trade deadline that that don't really add up in my opinion for a lot of teams and one thing to note uh about the prospects they got back for um Josh Hader, Estery Ruiz uh, was one of them. He's he was pre- he's been pretty good in the majors so far for the Padres. He's really fast. Uh, his speed is is one of the calling cards of his game. So, you know, Brewers maybe the, the ownership actually released a statement um, after this trade on Twitter and and on social media, and it was like we're still committing to win this year, which is something I've never seen before for a team to deal like their star reliever and then have to make a statement afterward because of the outrage that was caused because of that trade.
0: Absolutely. And and, and that Brewers team, that was pretty much the only thing that they did. Uh, So not much going and doing for them. Uh, But moving on to another team that you just mentioned, I think we should go to the Yankees because they also had another deadline that was quite significant for their team here, uh, acquiring Harrison Bader uh, to help out with their outfield depth. Uh, he's currently injured, I believe, so he's gonna need to come back in a, a couple weeks and, and show why he was traded for. And then, uh, improving their starters and their relievers, getting Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino. So, which I'm happy to see, you know, the Athletics sell a little bit. Not happy to see them sell to the Yankees. Not happy at all about it. But, of course, that Athletics team, when they're in full rebuild. They needed to move Montas. They needed to move Trevino. Um, two star pitchers for them, uh, for Montas coming off of injury. Uh, so I, I, definitely the move made sense. Um, and for the Yankees, it absolutely made sense, trying to help out with their pitching depth, uh, the starters and the bullpen. Uh, so I can't say how much this helps them, uh, it's going to uh, really depend on if these guys can perform in their new ballparks, as it always does with these trade deadline acquisitions. Uh, but more than that, they also were able to get rid of Joey Gallo, uh, which is why, you know, Harrison Bader is kind of a big, you know, replace one outfielder with another one. Uh, but they were desperately, desperately, desperately trying to move Joey Gallo. And he went out to L.A. for the Dodgers in, uh, you know, a real chump change deal, right? They just wanted to offload Joey Gallo, Um which, of course, he in his time as a Yankee, he hit like 158, and then came out and said, Oh, I didn't even walk the streets in the Bronx because he was afraid of, uh, you know, all the backlash and, and having to face the music that he was a poor player there. And then Michael Kay came out and started trashing him on air after he was dealt, which I've never seen before. Uh, you know just those classy yankee broadcasts classy yankee fans everything about the yankees is classy
1: yeah as an aspiring broadcaster myself that just seems like something that you can save for like an espn talk show with Stephen a smith like not on like a broadcast of your home team like he's already off the team like you don't need to go into it more but that's a whole another story uh for the yankees the one trade i didn't understand we mentioned it Frankie Montas' Lucharino trade, I think, was great. It definitely addressed the need. But then shipping off uh, Jordan Montgomery just seems like counterintuitive to what they're trying to do. They need starting pitching innings. And, you know, if you if you ship Montgomery out and you get a reliever in return, maybe that makes sense with all the injuries they have in the bullpen. But Harrison Bader has plantar fasciitis in his foot. He's currently on the IL. He's been there for a while. And there's really—there there's, doesn't seem to be a reason— Unless there's something uh, behind the curtain with Jordan Montgomery that led to this deal, there is a stipulation in the trade that if Bader doesn't make it, uh, doesn't come back in the entire season, there's a player to be named later involved. So there is that. Uh, maybe you know there's some magic going on behind the scenes. But in terms of the Yankees' deadline, I really liked it until this trade. And this one was just confusing. It seemed, like I said, counterintuitive to what they were trying to accomplish. Luis Severino on the 60-day IL. I mean, Nestor Cortez—he's been great. Um, hasn't been as good as he was in the beginning of the season. And you just need people to eat innings for you at this point with the offense that you have. You don't want to be blowing games late uh, if you're the Yankees. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense this short of Montgomery deal. Harrison Bader is a great defensive center fielder. Maybe you know a little bit more power can be unlocked at playing at Yankee Stadium. He only hit—he's only hit five homers so far, albeit in a shortened, uh, injury shortened campaign so far. But this this deal like. If if the Yankees trade deadline ended with the Montas deal and the Gallo deal, I feel like it would have been a lot better looking from the outside. But then this Jordan Montgomery deal kind of muddles muddies the waters a little bit for me looking at the Yankees trade deadline.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with that and I think the Cardinals are definitely which are going to benefit from Montgomery coming to their team. I think Montgomery leaves and Montas replaces him. I think it's an upgrade for their starters. Once again, I know you're talking about just having multiple starters, uh, but in terms of just in and out, if we're just looking at that, I think Montas is definitely the better pitcher. Um, Harrison Bader, though, being injured definitely hurts, you know, the Yankees if he's not able to come back. And and that's probably why the Cardinals were so easily to just give him away, probably because they know... Uh they, they're probably just unsure whether or not he's going to be able to be the same outfielder he was. You know, he was a defensive star out there in center field. And if he's not able to uh, apply that and keep on applying that to their team, then it makes sense for them to get rid of him. Uh, but I think there's some more blockbuster deals that happened uh, prior to the deadline, actually happened before deadline day. Uh, I was actually watching a Red Sox game in the stadium when this happened, uh, but the Mariners... Acquired Louis Castillo, who we said who was, was probably the top pitching name, uh, one of the top names uh, in the entire deadline, in return for Noel V. Marte, Edwin Arroyo, uh, Levy Stout, and Andrew Moore. So, two shortstops, two pitchers, both right handers going out to the Reds organization. Marte and Arroyo and Stout were all in their top five prospects for the Mariners organization. Uh, And I don't know where Moore ranked, but he definitely, you know, he was somewhere in the top 30, right? Uh, So big prospect package going out to the Reds. And the question is, does Louis Castillo make them? Because this was the only deal that they did. Does Louis Castillo put them in the World Series contention form? I don't think so. Uh, But they do have a great three setup, right? They have Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, Louis Castillo. Uh, They, all three of them could perform well and. You know, if when it comes down to just three game series to make it over to the next uh, series for them, if they don't win the division, which they're not, they're gonna have to make it through wild card. Uh, that could really play a factor into getting more postseason time.
1: Yeah, Luis Castillo is probably one of, uh, like you said, is was the premier starting pitcher um, on the trade deadline, and I mean a lot of a lot of his underlying numbers support what he's doing right now. The one thing. That does leave me a little bit of concern is that average launch angle uh, for 2022 is at 10.5 degrees, which is up six degrees for 2021. But also, you know, now he's going to a pitcher-friendly ballpark in uh, in Seattle as opposed to the bandbox that was Great American in Cincinnati. Then also, I mean, Castillo ground ball rate has been really good. Fastball velocity has been up in the 92nd percentile. And he's one of those pitchers that, you know, gives up those home runs on occasion, but very, very is very, very good at limiting base runners if he can keep those walks down. You know, hard hit percentage is, is as low as it's been in his career. K, K rate is as high as it's been in his career. So he's looking really good uh, this season and, and coming off of kind of a disappointing 2021 campaign. And Jerry Depoto, uh, GM for the Mariners, said that they actually were targeting Castillo when they looked to acquire James Paxton. Uh, or when they traded James Paxton, uh, they tried to get Castillo, but it it fell through then and that they got him now. And in terms of, are they in the World Series contention? I mean, <laughs> probably not. I mean, the, the Astros are in the AL, the Yankees are in the AL. This this is a very stacked league uh, in terms of, you know, high quality teams, but firmly in the postseason race for sure. And and I mean, probably they can get out of the wild card around a three-game series with the three pitchers they have. Um, that's that's really solid uh, for them. I mean, it's a lot better now. And there's been reports that George Kirby is going to go into more of a swingman role, try and get um, you know three or four inning outings whenever they need innings, and that that just helps out uh, you know take some strain off the bullpen. So. I really like this deal. I think it was great for the Mariners, also incredible for the Reds. It was very surprising seeing this prospect package go to Cincinnati.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I I like what, uh, you know, I hated their offseason. Obviously, the Reds selling their entire team uh, was just, it wasn't mind-boggling. They just don't have the market to hold those players like Castellanos and Winker and, and Suarez. But hey, look at this. Have you seen how the Reds have supported the Mariners? I mean, Winker, Suarez, Luis Castillo now all reunited in Seattle uh, trying to get to the postseason, which is something that they really didn't have an opportunity to do uh, in Cincinnati. So I'm happy for all of them. And one thing that needs to be said, though, about their team right now, you know, Julio Rodriguez injured, right? He's on the I.O. with, uh, with a hand injury after getting hit with a baseball, uh, which Is his other hand because his other wrist was hurting because the home run derby so little wrist issues on both sides uh ty france is currently on the il for them uh he was having an all-star caliber year a lot of people said that he should have been there um i know we said or well me and camilo said that he probably should have been on that roster when we did our all-star breakdown and Mitch Haniger is coming back for them though, but this is the hardest part of their schedule. I was talking to one of my Mariners friends or Mariners fan friends, right, and he was giving me a little bit of a rundown how he felt. Uh, Just a little concerned about these players being injured right now, but these this team I think is is destined for the postseason. It's been so long since they've been there. Since two thousand one, they've missed out the postseason every single season. And it's about time that they they made their return. Yeah, they just had
1: that series with the Yankees um, uh, coming out of the trade deadline. Luis Castillo pitched against Garrett Cole. Castillo pitched great, I think, uh, went seven innings, gave up three runs, got a quality start in there. And Garrett Cole gave up six runs in the first inning. So... Uh, not not great there for Garrett Cole, but Mariners. I mean, offensively they don't match up with the top teams in the league. They just don't. They don't have the star power of Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, Kyle Tucker of the Astros, and all the other Astros people. Um, but you know, you get Julio Rodriguez back. You you get Mitch Haniger. He, he's back. Kyle Lewis is back. So there are a lot of under the radar type players on this Mariners team. But they're trying to be anchored in their starting pitching. I mean, giving up two really high quality prospects Noel Noelvi Marte and Edwin Arroyo. Um, I thought that was kind of surprising, uh, to be honest, and that did definitely set the stage for other deals. And I mean, going back to the Reds, they got um, a lot of prospects from the Twins for Tyler Malley as well. And they, I think the Reds, uh, if we're going just for a grade, I think the
0: Reds may have had the best trade deadline among the sellers. I could definitely see that. I do want to mention though that the Mariners did draft a shortstop in their first round, so maybe this was destined to happen once you know they they could see the pieces falling in motion, trading their two best shortstop or middle infield prospects. Uh, so they drafted a middle infielder and in Cole Young, but I, I do. If you want to start talking about just the Reds in general and, and what they were able to get for for Mali, then.
1: Yeah, the Reds had, I just said, a great trade deadline. They obviously sent off Brandon Drury, Tommy Pham, Tyler Malley, and of course Luis Castillo. And Tyler Malley is one of those under-the-radar pitchers that, you know, maybe the the ERA and, and the wins and losses don't necessarily reflect how good of a pitcher he really is. He is on the Cincinnati Reds, a team that doesn't win a lot. He does play in Cincinnati the majority of his time, a ballpark that is not conducive to pitching. But the stuff, um, the 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 velocity and and the movement on his pitches are really top tier uh, when it when it comes to uh, you know looking at the underlying metrics. And he's only 27, which which could surprise some people. He he has like the he, he kind of profiles like an older pitcher in my opinion. But 4.40 ERA this season in Cincinnati isn't horrible. And in his past nine outings, a 2.83 ERA um, since returning from the IL, and he went over to the Twins um for a prospect package that includes uh three of the club's top 30 prospects uh infielder spencer steer which is number seven steve hajar who is number 18 that's a lefty pitcher and then infielder christian encarnacion christian encarnacion strand who's the number 23 prospect and so that's a deal that i think it works out for the twins we talked about it on the podcast last time that they have a really really young starting rotation that includes names Bailey Overs on the aisle but includes Joe Ryan Chris Archer's not necessarily old but he's not the best uh, Sonny Gray as well so t- Tyler Malley is probably going to be the anchor of that rotation I mean Joe Ryan is a, is a really young starting pitcher has zero experience um, in the postseason not to say Malley has any experience in the postseason because he was uh he's he was drafted by Cincinnati but that's kind of the anchor for this twins rotation they're one game up Of the Guardians in the AL Central, I think that's what they're in, yes. One game up on the Guardians in the AL Central. So I think it's a great move for the Twins, but, I mean, going back to the prospects the Reds received, I mean, they got three of the top 30 prospects from the Twins, and then they got two of the top prospects from the Mariners. I mean... I think they made out really well, and I think they profiled to be a really good team in the next two years.
0: And don't forget, they also traded Brandon Jury to the Padres, as we mentioned earlier, and for that, they got the sixth-ranked uh, Padre prospect in a very deep prospect organization that they've now just offloaded completely, of course, to emptied out the tank, but, I mean, to be ranked sixth in that organization is pretty high. Uh, he was a middle infielder named um, Victor Acosta, which, you know, I like for the Reds organization. You know, the only person that's probably on their team that has had, you know, long-time... or will have long-time stature is going to be Jonathan India, and eventually he's going to be moved, I'm sure, once these other prospects come through their system, right? So they're in the draft. They got two of the best high school players, uh, so they're definitely doing the right steps to, to, you know... Once again, I thought they were on a five-year plan. They could be even on a four-year plan, you know. We'll see how it all goes together. Uh, they need to work on the pitching side of their prospects, I think. But I, I, I like it. I like what they're doing out there in Cincinnati after absolutely making so much fun of them over their offseason. Hey, you know, maybe Joey Votto is going to be old enough uh, to still be uh, captain of that team when the, the next one's ready, right? Uh, but we do got to move on to a, another team, uh, That were buying uh, had some question marks on maybe who they were going to get and what they were going to do obviously a very strong team Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, received uh, quite an interesting deadline I I don't understand what the idea was uh, where they believe Whit Merrifield is going to come in they when uh, they acquired Whit Merrifield from the Kansas City Royals for infielder Samad Taylor and Max Castillo, who's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, one of the more interesting things is Whit Merrifield was not vaccinated. So you have to presume that he's getting vaccinated to go play in Toronto. I mean, he's not just going to be a road series guy. Yeah, it's,
1: uh, that's one of the more, uh, I don't know about interesting, just kind of like why deals for the Blue Jays. Middle infield isn't necessarily where they uh, were lacking in talent. I mean, Santiago Espinal was an all-star. The second base position, they got Bo Bichette there as well at shortstop. So maybe just to fill like a utility role for for the Blue Jays. But I mean, you got to get that shot, man. I don't know if you, um but Merrifield, kind of Merrifield, kind of an interesting one. Maybe he can uh, find a resurgence with the Blue Jays. He was really good the past two or three seasons. He has fallen off a cliff this year for sure. There's no power in his game. The speed has gone down a lot. He's never been one of the fastest players in the majors. So he's just been really good at stealing bases. Um, But he really hasn't been able to steal that many bases uh, for the Royals. Um, But I mean, the one thing you hope if you're a Blue Jays fan, and the one thing I would assume that the Blue Jays organization knew was that he would get vaccinated if he signed with them.
0: Right. And, And they also got a really good relief package or just pitching package for this trade deadline. From the Marlins, they were able to get Anthony Bass and Zach Pop, who have both been relievers for them, both right-handed pitchers. Uh, but they traded their fourth-best prospect in their organization that I guess they didn't see would come up, which was Jordan Grosjean. Um, and also, uh, for in, the, in the same vein of getting pitchers, they got Mitch White from the Dodgers for a couple minor leaguers that, you know, I wouldn't say are too notable, but maybe they'll become something later on. Uh, but I do like the idea of getting more relief depth for this team. I thought maybe they'd go with some more, maybe notable names, but maybe these are going to be some real sleepers that are going to come up and and make some big, make some big outings in the postseason for them.
1: I mean, yeah, Anthony Bass plays, uh, in my played in Miami. So not a lot of people knew about him, but he's been really, really good this season. One for one ERA. Um, for the Marlins, he throws his slider 57% of the time. He's one of those pitchers that does not rely on velocity to get batters out. But, I mean, look at his, uh, his StatCast page. He's looking really, really good in terms of he gets uh, hitters to chase that slider. He doesn't allow a lot of barrels, and he still gets swings and misses on those secondary pitches. He throws a sinker 28.5% of the time. So that slider-sinker combo up around 90 miles an hour on the sinker. I mean, he's got a lot of horizontal movement on that slider. Anthony Bass might be one of the biggest reliever acquisitions. I mean, obviously, notwithstanding Josh Hader or any of the bigger names like that. And in terms of Mitch White, I actually did not know this deal went down until like a few hours ago. Um, this actually, I, I kind of really like this deal for the Blue Jays. Mitch White, uh, for the Dodgers, was kind of that starter that you see go four or five innings, not face the order three times because he doesn't really have this stuff for that, but... He excelled with the Dodgers, maybe excelled isn't the right word, but I mean, a 3-4-7 ERA and 46.2 innings playing in the NL West is pretty good. And this just offers more consistency to a starting rotation. Um, That has dealt with its share of injuries. Hyunjin Ryu is out for the season. Uh, you say Kikuchi hasn't been able to find consistency. Jose Barrios hasn't really been able to find consistency. So you have Alec Manoa anchoring that rotation, but Mitch White as a fourth or fifth starter that can go four or five innings every five days and then open the door for a, a newly revamped bullpen. I think I think this is a great deal. I mean, the minor leaguers that, uh, that they got or, or that they got rid of, I mean, aren't necessarily names of note. So I think it worked out great for the Blue Jays in terms of their pitching. Whitmerfield, Merrifield, kind of a question mark at this point, because we don't really know his vaccination status. We don't really know if he's going to, you know, find that power stroke that he had uh, over the past two years either.
0: Yeah, and and some other relievers that were moved, and we already mentioned the Twins organization, but uh, they also got two pretty big arms uh, for their bullpen as well, and Jorge Lopez from the Orioles and Michael Fulmer from the Tigers. And I mentioned Michael Fulmer in the last episode as... Somebody who was unexpectedly good this year. I don't think Michael Fulmer has had too much success. Of course, 2016 Rookie of the Year. So I'll be careful with that. Um, but, or Reliever of the Year, I think. One of the two. Uh, I don't think he was Rookie of the Year. But what, whatever it was, he got an award that year. So I don't want to be too mean to Michael Fulmer. Uh, but he had like a 1.71 ERA going in to the uh, All-Star break. He could have been the reliever choice or All-Star choice for the Tigers but it was Gregory Soto, uh, which is a much more notable name. I can understand why he got votes and such. Uh, I'm sure MLB The Show helped him with that one. He always has some hards on there. Uh, but I do like this from, from their organization. I think what is crazy is that they got Jorge Lopez from the Orioles, uh, who have been very good this season, better than the Red Sox up to this point. Uh, and are competing for a wild card, and I did not enjoy though what the Orioles fan base were saying. Uh, they were like confused. They thought that this, they were first time they have a chance uh, to get to the playoffs. They trade off the reliever. I don't think this is too impactful to their overall growth. They got four minor league pitchers for this deal, uh, and I think that's gonna just overall help them as a team progress. And that Orioles team. Hey, they got a lot of prospects coming up and it's a difficult time for that to happen though in the American League East. Too many good teams.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing I'll talk about Jorge Lopez in a second, but for Orioles fans, I think you got to trust the process here. I feel like all of the players in that clubhouse have bought into what the Orioles are doing and I think they're on a really good track. It is of course a tough division, but going back to Jorge Lopez, this has been an incredible statistical season for him. And going back for the past few years of his career, he has not been as good as he is now. I mean, this year as the stopper or, or the closer, I should say, for the Orioles, one six eight ERA, 54 strikeouts in 48 innings, a sub-1 whip. He's been really good. The one thing about Lopez that is a little bit, that makes you step back and, and kind of question the numbers um, on the surface is that the spin rate on his fastball is really, really low, and he gets almost no whiffs on that pitch or on the sinker as well. He throws the sinker 50% of the time, forcing fastball only 5% of the time. So Lopez, he has a, he has really good command, and the whiffs are a little bit of an issue, but the batted ball data, he's really ha- like basically cut all of those metrics in half. Barreled rate is down uh, from 9 to 4.5. Batted ball percentage is down from... 20 to 10%, so he's been really, really good, but it seems like this could be a little bit of a smoke and mirror situation for Jorge Lopez. He is he is playing uh in Camden Yards, which is now an incredibly pitchers-friendly ballpark, so we'll see how that goes. But I think for the Orioles, a, a fantastic deal. You know, maybe fans don't love it because they thought they could contend, but realistically they weren't going to go anywhere in the playoffs, even yeah. if they
0: made it. I don't think, yeah. I mean, there's. I think there's a lot of people you could say that for when you look at the Astros and the Yankees this year. Uh, only a couple teams can really compete with them in a series, and it doesn't look too pretty. I didn't, I forgot to mention earlier as well, when we were talking about the Yankees, uh, that they also got Andrew Benintendi, uh, which is also a big deal for them uh, to help with that outfield, but I don't, we don't need to get too much into it. It's going to hurt my heart now seeing him in in the Yankee uniform, it's so tough when as a Red Sox fan, am I right? Haha <laughs> Um, but moving forward to the last team that I want to just talk about, like a little blockbuster for them. Uh, and then we'll get into some teams that maybe should have done a little more, uh, were the Phillies who were able to acquire Noah Syndergaard after the angels just signed him this past off season. So the, the Phillies gave up one of their top prospects, I guess, Mickey Moniak kind of a failed prospect for them, uh, was a first round draft pick. Uh, for the Phillies organization, just never was able to live up to that potential. And there will be a player to be named later, uh, which we could get in a whole conversation about what our thoughts and opinions are on player to be named later in deals. Uh, but that's not what this episode's about.
1: Uh, so yeah, the, this this deal, Noah Syndergaard, the Phillies, they have two really solid starting pitchers in um, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. And they had Kyle Gibson, they acquired him last year. And he hasn't been as phenomenal as he was last year he's been serviceable but Noah Syndergaard you think about Thor as he was so aptly nicknamed but he is a completely different pitcher than he was three or four years ago he's gone through a ton of injuries his fastball velocity is down from he was up at he was sitting 100s with that Singer and that forcing fastball now he's down averaging 94 miles per hour on the fastball he's not selling out for strikeouts he's going for ground balls trying to get trying to pitch to contact a little bit more which helps him pitch deeper into games he's actually pitched deeper into games this season than he has um in the previous seasons of course he dealt with injury in those seasons but for the Phillies I like this deal Mickey Moniak like you said kind of a failed prospect he he had a lot of pedigree didn't really didn't really uh amount to anything much for the Phillies maybe a fresh start in LA will be great and it's also
0: like the Angels this isn't This isn't anything special. I don't know how this really helps the Angels in any way besides just offloading money. But who cares about offloading money when you're the Angels organization? They just continuously sign bad players uh, and think it's going to do anything. And maybe the player to be named later will be uh, a Hall of Famer for them. But I don't know. It it felt a little weird that they did two trades with the Phillies to get Logan and 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 it's a strange, strange thing. But I, I can definitely see why the Angels needed to move Noah Syndergaard. Uh, But there's another team in the National League East that I think you would like to have a couple comments about.
1: Yeah, so the Braves went out uh, after their incredible deadline last season. They got Horius Soler, Adam Duvall back then, and won the World Series, obviously. This season, they didn't make a lot of blockbuster deals, but they shored up their bullpen in acquiring Rysel Iglesias from the Angels. And a deal that was surprising to me because the Angels just locked up Iglesias for a four-year contract, and they shipped him off immediately after that. Uh, So Glacius goes to the Braves and then the Braves also traded for Jake Odorizzi from the Astros and sent Will Smith, a a reliever. And Jake Odorizzi is a guy that we talked about on the last podcast that the Braves are going to have issues going to the home stretch of the season with their young pitchers, Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider, in terms of maybe limiting their innings because they're expecting a deep postseason run. Strider hasn't pitched more than 100 innings in his career in the minors or the majors in a year. So this is, this is a, an acquisition in Jake Odorizzi that can really help them just, you know, every fifth day get a guy that can save your bullpen, that can go six or seven innings. And Odorizzi has been successful in his major league career. I mean, this season with the, with the Astros, I mean, not great. The numbers don't pop off the page, but a 375 ERA, uh, 60 innings, you know, that's nothing, nothing to scoff at um, for Odorizzi. He's very, very good at limiting hard contact. He doesn't have swing and miss stuff that you would like, but limiting hard contact, li- limiting those barrels and, and uh, that high exit velocity is something he's really good at. And, of course, acquiring Rice to shore up the back end of that bullpen. Craig Kimbrell is not on the team. I don't know why I mentioned him. Uh, Kenley Jansen is who they have now, and, and he's dealt with those heartbeat issues over the past few years, so maybe it's tough to reliance uh, on him in a deep postseason run. So I really liked what the Braves did in terms of shoring up their pitching staff um they didn't get a lot of bats because they don't really need a lot of bats they have Acuna there Albies is on his way back Austin Riley's was the best player of the month in July He got signed
0: to that extension Uh, got extended 10 years
1: yeah imagine a team locking up their star players don't know what that's like that's a whole different story
0: uh they also gave up uh Jesse Chavez which uh who was on their world series run team and hey this is his 15th team he's going to the Angels so uh quite a career for Jesse Chavez only the young ripe age of 38 so we'll see what happens out there in LA for him lefty arm Uh, but moving to my favorite team my dear Red Sox they did a little bit of both of the selling and the buying and it's very confusing to me Uh, so they traded away Christian Vasquez to start the deadline and this was the beginning of the fire sale that I thought was to be Uh, but Christian Vasquez for two of the bottom 30 Uh, prospects to the Astros Um, well sorry we received two of the bottom 30 Astros prospects uh, in return uh, who looked pretty decent in the film that I watched of them but at that point I think that every Red Sox fan knew oh this is over here it comes and I was ready for it, but that was the only player that the Red Sox traded. Just Christian Vasquez, who only had two months left on his deal. I thought J.D. Martinez was going to go. I thought Nathan Nivaldi was going to go. They also traded Jake Dieekman, Sorry, not the only player. I guess the, one, the biggest notable names uh, that we thought were going to get traded, but they got uh, catcher Reese McGuire for Jake Diekman in replacement of Christian Vasquez. Let me tell you one thing. This McGuire guy has some weird history, and I'm not going to get into it, uh, but not a great trade on a PR standpoint. Uh, But they also acquired Eric Hosmer from the Padres and two prospects from the Padres in that deal. One, Corey Rogier, who's an outfielder. Uh, And then all we gave up was Jay Groom, who's been a failed pitching prospect for us. Um, He was a first-round draft pick. Uh, definitely didn't have that potential, even if he did come up. Maybe he would have been just uh, some some low-level reliever on this team, which the Red Sox are full of. Uh, but they got Eric Hosmer on a great deal. Uh, at first I was confused, why are we taking in Cosmer's contract? But it's because we're not. The Padres are basically covering the entire contract for him. Uh, Eric Cosmer is basically getting paid by the Red Sox for a rookie contract. So that's pretty nice to have over the four years. And he's going to be there to give uh, that leadership that we talked about earlier. And Christian Vasquez was very much a leader. And Bogarts is a leader of this club. But now we got another veteran who's going to try to help uh rekindle some fire to try to make the postseason I don't think that they should have I am for one of the Red Sox fans that thinks they should have sold Uh, but they are firm in believing that they can they can make it back to the postseason race and and be there and and be in the wild card I just don't think they have any of the firepower to actually beat the Astros or the Yankees so what's the point Uh, but they also got Tommy Pham uh, from the Reds uh, that one, not so much of a big prospect pool for the Reds, but more of just offloading Tommy Pham's deal. Uh, so the Red Sox got an outfielder and a first baseman, which they needed uh, desperately. If you've been watching the, the team over the last month, it's been pretty bad defensively just across the field. But those two positions have been uh, quite troublesome. Uh, but in the terms of taping around defensive players, they DFA JBJ, who we traded for... We traded away for to to give the Brewers Hunter Renfro, and he's had a great season. I don't think I could have predicted that myself. Uh, but the whole season's been quite interesting for the Red Sox: a bunch of lows and a bunch of uh, some highs, a lot of lows though, uh, throughout this season. Of course, a poor start, an amazing June, and a very very depressing July. Uh, but I'm going to keep my hopes up for this team, but I really do think they should have moved JD. They should have moved Evaldi. Anybody that they didn't see to be on this team in the next three years, the next two years, they should have tried to have conversations to move them. Uh, But of course they did not.
1: Yeah. Looking from the outside, it was definitely an odd trade deadline. You saw Xander Bogars' comments. He said, I don't think the team got better because we lost Vasquez. Obviously Vasquez is a huge part of that organization, um, in the playoff runs he's he's done a lot of things i know tyler can speak to that more than i can yeah,
0: one of my my favorite moment i've ever watched live in fenway park was uh that home run that he walked off against the rays in game three of the american league ds uh and it was very exciting to me i will never forget it i'll always remember christian vasquez for it uh and you know he was a homegrown talent. Uh, Came to the organization, I believe, in 2008. Didn't get his start until 2014 at the major league level. And, you know, he's he's been a guy that you just kind of rely on behind the plate. He's had a good season. But, hey, he said he's open to re-signing with the Red Sox in the offseason. So, we could have just gotten some prospects for him and he'll come back. I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> uh, but it could be a possibility.
1: Yeah, he's over in, in Houston now as Vasquez. But Eric Hosmer also, There's a lot of... You no know, controversy around this just because he was initially supposed to go to the Washington Nationals but he invoked his you no know, trade clause because who in their right mind would want to go to the Washington Nationals uh, and so that deal that whole thing went through and Luke Voigt went in his place you know what Luke Voigt, if you're listening I'm sorry tough break for you man it's it's tough uh, but that's life i guess but Hosmer is one of those guys that hits the ball hits the ball really hard but cannot hit it in the air his launch angle is about 3 degrees this season he's had a, a launch angle of negative 1.5 degrees in his career. He hits the ball hard, average exit velocity around 90 miles an hour, but just cannot get the ball in the air. With the Red Sox, I mean, that bat um if he can if he can elevate the ball a little bit, he's probably going to hit a lot of homers, but he just hasn't been able to do that in his career, which is very surprising. I mean, it's, it's a very clear thing you can see in his profile that you can, you know, attempt and try to fix, but it just seems like he can't elevate the ball
0: uh yeah definitely and we got to kind of move quick here to the last two teams i want to talk about uh that stayed put uh well there's three teams but the marlins gave up some players but they kept their star relievers uh but the other two teams were the cubs and the giants the cubs are much more confusing than the giants i said the giants definitely had a case to stay still it seemed like they were only in on soto for maybe a you know, half of the, half of the rumors. And then eventually they backed out and then eventually just said, you know what? We're not going to do anything. I think any team should have gotten Brandon jury. I think they were a good landing spot for him or the other two players that are on the Cubs, Ian Happ and Contreras, who had this emphatic hug, right? They didn't know what was going to happen, uh, but they ended up hugging again once the trade deadline was over and they were still with the Cubs. Why did the Cubs not move Ian Happ and Contreras?
1: I I wish I had an answer for you. I don't. It's 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 really confusing. I mean, I was I was sitting there five fifty seven on trade deadline day. I was like, wait, Ian Happen and Contreras haven't been moved yet. I was like, maybe there's going to be some like finagling within the last two minutes of the deadline, but it has never happened. Wilson Contreras, I think, hit a homer yesterday for the Cubs, but uh, it's just weird. I mean, those two players, or Contreras for sure, is walking from the Cubs. Uh, this seems like a, an organizational failure from the front office. Um, and I don't really. There, there's not much to make of it because we don't really know all the details, like what was going on behind the scenes there that led to these guys not getting maximized for their full value, and also not getting traded to contenders. Like you kind of, like from the player's perspective, it seems like they're kind of stuck there.
0: And maybe Contreras more than hap, is is happy to stay in Chicago, you know, be with that fan base, and, and it's really the organization that's you know he's grew up in as a baseball player in his career, uh, but. Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. They should have moved them, just like how the Red Sox should have moved JD and Avaldi if they weren't going to be contending. But that has been our trade deadline talk. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about... Um, should be a much shorter episode, uh, but we're going to get back to our topic-based episodes where we'll come in and... We'll have a certain topic we want to talk about and and just give you guys the rundown on what happened the last week of baseball uh, and highlight some of uh, our favorite moments. But that has been the Two Scene Podcast today. And the drama of July is finally over. We can now look at the back end of the season here going into August and September. Uh, Playoff race is going to be very fun to be a part of. And um, I'm sure that for other teams, it's going to be more fun than ours. <laughs> uh, but for mine, you know, we're only two games out of the wild card, so we'll see what happens. Thank you, Colin, once again for joining us. Unfortunately, Camilo couldn't be here today, so we are happy to we're have. Like,
1: fortunately, Camilo couldn't be here.
0: Maybe in your case, but <laughs> <laughs> we do love a little Camilo on the podcast. Uh, but Colin, where can people find you and? and... Why don't you promote some of your projects that you've been working on?
1: Well, I I did just write an article for the Boston Globe uh, about a pitching and hitting showcase that happened in Georgia. So check that out on on the Globe website. Uh, It's about uh, the Prep Baseball Report. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Colin Kapoor. I have a few podcasts as well, Fantasy Finessers podcast about fantasy football and a few Northeastern-based podcasts. If you do go to Northeastern, check out the Bean Pod. It's about hockey and hockey is pretty cool. Other than that, thanks for having me on, Tyler. I do appreciate it, and I'll see you when I see you.
0: Hot announcement. The the Fantasy Finessers is coming back, isn't it, here soon? It's coming back soon. we we got some
1: episodes in the works. The Fantasy Draft season is upon us. Fantasy Football season will be upon us very soon, so check us out there. I will have some episodes out for you guys shortly.
0: Well, we thank you for tuning into this episode of the 2 scene Podcast. I've been Tyler Foy. You can find me um on twitter at tyler underscore underscore foy uh as well as you can read my articles at the boston globe if you just go to my profile and it's also on my um link tree which is on my twitter as well so thank you guys for listening and we are excited to see you guys again next week for another edition of the two scene podcast <laughs>